It is June 26th, 2015. My name is Joel Tillis, and you're listening to a broadcast by The Soul Trap. Today is a landmark day. I think far more profound than many people realize. Without trying to sound dramatic or shock jock or anything like that, today, the United States of America has officially lawfully done two things. By a 5-4 to four vote of the Supreme Court, the United States of America has A, clearly and undeniably identified itself as Sodom and Gomorrah. And B, it has made Christianity for the first time in over 200 years of our nation's history an enemy of the state. The values, the beliefs, the practices, the ideology of Christianity upon which this nation was founded is now an enemy of the state. Now, what a shocking turn of events, but only shocking to those that don't understand the apostasy and the prophecies of the Word of God. I want to make a few ad-lib comments on the Supreme Court decision today, and that's exactly what they are. They're ad-lib, not uh, nearly as prepared or researched out as I often do when I bring other broadcasts, and I don't believe that it'll be a very, very long uh, broadcast either, but I do simply want to, if anything, give voice to what I think is a growing frustration among many Christians that are out there today struggling, frustrated, aggravated with what's going on. I'm not sure if we really understand where we're going. I still think there's a collective denial. What I mean by denial is, I think we still think that if we could just get the right people in office, If we could just get um, the right politicians, the right judges, the right president, that somehow or another we can put the toothpaste back in the the tube. And I just don't believe that. And I don't think that that kind of mentality, and I don't call it it naive. Um, I don't mean to insult people like that. I'm not trying to say that if you believe that you're naive. But I think you're unscripturally optimistic. I don't know what's worse, what term is worse. But that kind of unscriptural optimism, I think, also has worked its way down into the church. I don't think we really in America understand. Let let me say it this way. I. I don't think I really understand what it means to be a New Testament Christian. I get up in the morning, my tire's flat. My wife is sick. I've got a cavity. One of the children broke an iPad. Uh, boss yells at me. Long day, sitting in traffic, make it to church. And then I rally everyone around and say, hey, can you keep me in prayer? I'm really suffering for Jesus. Hmm. No, I'm really not. 
I'm not trying to compare our lives with other people's lives. That's not a fair comparison. I, providence, sovereignty, whatever you want to call it. Thank God that I have electricity. Thank God that I have a car. Thank God that I have the blessings and the bounty that God has given to this nation. I, I don't think that we as Christians should run around with some pseudo-hippie communist sort of a guilt trip because we're blessed of God. But I, I do think we have to keep in mind the reality of where we are, the perspective of where we are, the priority of where we are. For the first time, simply for holding a biblical doctrinal belief, you are now, as a Christian, by default, mind you, by default now, you're at odds with the state, an enemy of the state. It's only going to get worse. I think that we have failed, I have failed, to pay the price of spiritual disciplines to walk at a deeper level of Christianity. And if we're not careful, we're if we don't get on the ball now, we're going to be suffering for it in the years to come. Just because you have a bad day at work doesn't mean you're suffering for Jesus. And I guess what I'm simply saying is we need a serious gut check. Everybody's been against homosexual marriage now for a long time. Are you going to lose your job over it? Are churches going to lose their tax exemption for it, their corporate standing for it, their property for it? You're going to go to jail for it? You're going to let them close our schools down for it? I mean, we, we better have a serious gut check about where we are because we are right back in first century Christianity. The United States of America is no friend of Christianity, period. Kicked God out of school, in Bible and prayer, creation. Kicked God out of the womb and said it's okay to go into the womb of a woman and rip that child out. And now they have kicked God out of the very institution that he created. The problem, though, is not necessarily simply the definition of marriage. Let's suppose for a second that you want to, and again, I'm just ad-libbing here with you, but let's suppose that you're more of a libertarian sort of a Christian, and you say, listen, the state doesn't get to determine who's married and who's not married before God. In essence, the marriage contract in our form of government is nothing more than a contract, a trust, a, a, trust, a contract between two people to share equally, yada, yada, yada. Okay, that's fine. I don't, that's fine. As a Christian uh, and a and a anthropological historian, I think it's obvious that six to seven thousand years of human history has proven that marriage is between a man and a woman. Um, I think science itself proves that. I don't understand how you can be an evolutionist and believe in homosexuality because homosexuals cannot reproduce. They must recruit. That is a fact. But all that to the side, the thing that profoundly disturbs me about the decision of the court and should profoundly disturb and worry the Christian today are the legal, constitutional, day-to-day -day ramifications of this law. They're going to use the law to come at the churches and the preachers. They're going to use the law to close our schools down. You see, it's not enough that you simply accept what they say is the definition of man and woman, uh, definition of marriage. That's not enough that you just go, oh, okay, and then go about your daily life. No, 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 no. It goes all the way back. Two plus two equals four. 
in Brave New World, and the man holds his hand up. Two plus two equals four. But he's holding his hand up with five fingers up. The man being tortured is tortured to the point where he finally says, okay, 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 two plus two is not four, it's five, and he agrees with him. And then he gets tortured again. And I'll never forget in the book, the man says, why are you torturing me? I agreed with you. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, it's not enough that you agree with me. You have to believe it yourself. That's where we're going. It's not enough that you go, fine. If John and George want to get married, that's fine. Leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. That's not enough. You must accept it. You must believe it. It is the new humanist dogma religion of this country. And when religions are in power, things go real, real, real bad. If you don't believe that, you ought to ask them over in Russia and the religion of humanism and communism. Under the guise of atheism, but it was still humanist religion. You don't believe that? Why don't you go ask them in the Khmer Rouge and the killing fields? You don't believe that? Why don't you go ask them over in Europe under a thousand years of Catholic rule? And that's what we have today. A religion of humanism. A religion of sexuality. A religion of the new age man being forced upon us. And we're headed for trouble. But I think one of the things that concerns me deeply is the religious aspect or what I foresee as the wholesale abandoning of the true Bible believer by the religious crowd. I have to say and give credit where credit is due, I heard recently that the Southern Baptists uh, under the leadership of their president made a clear, undeniable, forceful declaration that it doesn't matter what the president or anybody else says. Uh, the government, the, the, the Supreme Court, marriages are between one man and one woman. That's great. God bless them. I hope, I hope that they still hold that line when the government starts taking their tax breaks away, when the government starts taking our school buildings away and our churches. I hope that we'll hold that line. But I fret and fear that many of our denominations are so rotted out. Many of our religious leaders are so tied to popularism. They're so tied to the ends justifying the means. They're so tied to uh, their TV broadcast and their radio broadcast and their colleges and their seminaries and their megachurches that they're going to sell out and they're not necessarily going to come out and deny the faith, but they'll find ways to skirt around it. I believe as a Bible believer, our greatest persecution our greatest persecution, the stab in the back that's going to get us, according to Isaiah 66, and I believe uh, John chapter number 16, I think our greatest persecution is going to come from those that call themselves brothers and sisters in Christ. Look, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be, uh, look, think what you want to think. But we, we have skirted this issue rather than coming on and hitting it on head on. I can't help but think about the inauguration where Louis Giglio had the opportunity to really make a stand and say, hey, you're kicking me out of this prayer time because of my stand on homosexuality. He could have made a big stink about it, taken a stand and done what was right, and he didn't. And I'm not judging the whole of the man's character, but I'm saying, look at where we are now. Look at where we are now. I believe our religious people, we cannot, and God bless the Southern Baptist Association for taking that stand. 
I, be, I believe every organization ought to be taking a stand. And I'm telling you, if we don't protect our pastors, if we don't protect our institutions, if we don't protect our schools, I'm telling you, as certain as I'm standing right here, the day is coming when they're going to begin to start closing us down. Not all at once overnight, but they're going to begin to dictate what curriculum that the schools can teach. You say, no, they're never going to do that. They're never going to come into a Christian school and begin to dictate that you have to teach certain things. Could you ever in a million years believe that they would have voted that a gay marriage, marriage is legal? It is right. It is to be defended in all 50 states. Would you ever have assumed that 10 years ago? But here we are. Here we are. Where I live here, I'm about 10 minutes away from St. Petersburg. It's the Tampa Bay area. They're going to be, there's a month-long festival of homosexuality in St. Petersburg, and they're going to be raising a gay flag down at City Hall. They wouldn't dare raise a Confederate flag. They wouldn't dare raise a Baptist flag. They wouldn't dare raise a Christian flag. They wouldn't dare do that, but bless God, I mean, as the old saying goes, bless God, they'll put up a homosexual flag. You think they're, they're, they're not telling us what's coming? We have identified as a nation now, for the first time in our history, we have identified ourselves as Sodom and Gomorrah. That's come and gone. And now we have made Christianity. We have made Christianity anti-government. We are first century Christians. Now, my simple point, my simple message is that I don't believe that you're going to fix America. Now, I know that immediately you think, oh, geez, you know, you're being so negative, and it's, I'm not. Um, I'm optimistically negative, if I can say that. I'm prophetically uh, negative. I'm biblically optimistic. I don't know how you want to call it, but I guess what I'm saying is you're not going to put the genie back in the bottle. I don't care what president that we have coming. I don't care who you get elected in the office. So the concept of national revival and restoration, all that stuff, gone, dead. It's gone. What I believe we need is a revival at the ground root level, grassroots level, of men, of preachers, of ladies, of Christians, who get back to the basics of Christianity. Who get back to the basics of walking with Almighty God without having to have 500 devotionals on our bookshelf. Without having to have 75 prayer journals that you buy down at the Christian bookstore. I mean, a Bible in hand, a pen, a paper, on your knees, praying, laboring before God, fasting, silence, Yieldedness, surrender, old-fashioned, first-century Christianity. I also believe we need a revival of evangelism and witnessing more than ever. And it's harder than it's ever been, but we need to get to the point. I, look, I'm all for I'm all for building relationships and doing this and that, but we've got to sow the seed, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to get down to brass tacks. We've got to stop being afraid of offending people, stop being afraid of what people think, and try to reach who we can with the gospel. And I believe, thirdly, we've got to be involved in world missions. Even if you don't believe in the rapture, you have to believe that times are going to get darker before Christ comes. 
and we need to be getting the gospel out around the world. I'm not saying that we have to live in poverty, but we don't have to upsize every Big Mac. We don't have to have the latest and the greatest new car and the latest and the greatest new TV and the latest and the greatest this and that. Look it, I, I pastor a church of rough guys. I'm going to tell you that right up. They're saucy. They're, they're, they're rough. Uh, they got saved out of a rough life, many of them. They um, love the Lord, but they're rough around the edges sometimes, and 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 this and that, and and you know they they uh, they they drive pickup trucks and they they uh, they shoot animals and catch fish and eat blood and guts and all the rest of it. And I like it. I'm not particularly down that road, but I like it. I mean, they, a lot of them just soon go out and spend two or three days out in the woods and, and camping and that kind of thing. I'd like to spend two or three days at a Hilton and spending my time at bookstores. But such is the case. They're great men. I love them. I'm not trying to brag on myself here at all, but about a year ago, I got really convicted about how could I do more for world missions. I live about two minutes from my church. I had a car. The car had insurance. car took gas, and it drank gas, I mean like an elephant, sucking it up, man. Wear and tear on that thing. I managed to sell that car. I took the money, and I went down, and I bought myself a scooter. Not a motorcycle, not a Harley, a little jet black scooter. I was able to take the money that I was using in gas from that car, and, and money that I was using for upkeep, and money that I was using to go into that car's insurance, I was able to take that money, and with that money, through a particular uh, missions agency, I'm supporting, my wife and I are supporting two orphans and uh, that are involved in a gospel ministry and a missionary that's in India. Now, the first time I rolled up at church in my scooter, you could have heard the laughter from here to the Mississippi. Oh, my goodness, preacher, what are you doing? Oh, my goodness, why are you driving that? At least let us buy you a Harley. At least let us buy you a pickup truck. And they ribbed me and they asked me. It was all good natured. They certainly weren't mean. But, but I felt it. <laughs> I felt it. Nothing looks more stupid than a fat guy on a scooter. I felt it. But it's worth it. It's worth it. You know Why? Because the gospel is worth it. Now, you don't have to go get a scooter. You don't have to sell a car. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you as certain as I can possibly be, the end game is not the homosexual marriage. The end game is not the rights of the woman's body for abortion. The end game is not Republicans versus Democrats, neocons versus progressive. The end game is the destruction of the people of God is the establishment of a new world order under the authority of Satan himself. The end game has spiritual and eternal ramifications beyond anything which we can possibly imagine. And you and I today on this day, on this particular day, June 26, 2015, this is a day when the United States of America said, Christian, you are not welcome. Now, if you don't think that the legal ramifications are going to ripple, are going to echo in tectonic ways in our churches, in our jobs, in our lives, you are fooling yourself, beloved. You are fooling yourself. So I don't care, man. Maybe you're driving in your car, you're listening to this on the way home today. 
He said, I just want to get on the boat this week. I just want to have a good time. I get that. I understand that. But at least get your family around together and pray. At least read your Bible. At least make some preparations. Listen to me, man. I understand the desire to check out and just live your life. But if we're Christians, if we're true disciples of Christ, we can't do that. The wolf, as the old saying goes, the wolf has come down from the north and our villages are safe no more. The wolf is at the door. The lion is at the door. Whatever illustration you want to use, and I'm saying wake up, pray more, give more, witness more, read more, serve more, do more. I had a friend text me and we were talking back and forth today. And I said to him at the end of our conversation, I said, welcome to first century Christianity, brother. It's been a long time coming. Well, what kind of Christian are you going to be? Now, think. Pastor, are you prepared to lose your building? Are you prepared to go to jail? Christian, are you prepared to not go to that mandatory homosexuality sensitivity training or celebration and lose your job? How are you going to feed your family? How are you going to put clothes on your kid's back? How are you going to do these things? Food on the table. I'll tell you something. Our churches are fat and selfish and narcissistic. We have no problem building a four, five, six, seven, ten million dollar building while the rest of the world starves and goes to hell. But we've got to have lights and sound systems and screens and, and padded pews and plush carpet. We've got to have pearl drum sets and, and Gibson guitars. We've got to have ev- the best of everything. I don't think we're even nearly prepared to handle what's coming. The political's gone. You're not going to change the political. But the spiritual, that's where the battle is. My simple ad-lib comment to you today, forget about forget about you. You can take this or leave it. My ad-lib comment to me is that I, I'm not nearly as strong as I think that I am. But I want to be. And you and I had better start preparing. Because it's not the people who recognize that they're not strong and are trying that are going to have a problem. It's the people who think that they're strong. Who think that they, because they attend their small group classes or sing in the choir or do their little religious duty on the weekend and then live the rest of their life separated from any kind of meaningful discipleship whatsoever, those are the first ones they're going to bail out. Those are the first churches, the first pastors, the first professors, the first teachers are going to bail out. The remnant of those people that right now on their knees are going to fall down and say, Oh God, our nation is gone, but give us strength to be that 7,000, as God spoke about in the book of 1 Kings, that 7,000 that will not bend the knee to Baal. One of the greatest stories in all the Bible to me is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were told that they had to bow down to the music because the government instituted the music. Listen, if it's wrong, it's wrong. It doesn't matter what nine idiots in black robes have to say from Washington, D.C. Just because they're wicked and they're vile doesn't mean that I have to accept it. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's what the book says.
They are answerable to God. I don't care how un-non-millennial that might sound. They answer to God. God is the highest law in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of men. Nebuchadnezzar instituted religious, state religious worship. You will bow down, and they didn't. King brought him in front of the fiery furnace and said, bow down. I love what they said. They said, King, be it known unto you that God can deliver us. And then they said, prophetically, he will deliver us. But the greatest line of all to me is he said, listen, whether he delivers us or not, it doesn't matter. Right is right, wrong is wrong. We're not bowing down. Christian, right is right and wrong is wrong. We're not bowing down. 